Hi, I'm Dr. Pam Peek, and welcome to episode 380 of Her, the podcast where, well, you're going to hear the naked truth about her mind, her body, her life, and today, her stress. Yeah, it's all about stress and how she needs to stay sharp and smart as she ages. Oh, yeah. We have a wonderful show coming up. And before we begin, just know that it's made possible by our friends at Solaray Vitamins. That's Solaray, S-O-L-A-R-A-Y dot com. Now today, because we're talking about the mind, we're going to talk about sharp mind stress by Solaray. And that means, well, put your mind at ease. Now, this is a nootropic formula. What does that word mean? It means it's something that is going to help you with cognitive performance. And it promotes calm and relaxation for you to be able to deal with stress. Oh, no, not stress. And you know you need to be on top of your mental and emotional health. So, Look towards Solaray Sharp Mind Stress and their entire Sharp Mind line. And if you want to learn more, it's solaray.com. Run on over there. All right. So here's your first reminder to click on iTunes after this episode to rate and review the show because we're waiting to hear from you. We love your feedback, especially me. All right. It's time for Her. Her, the podcast. The naked truth about women. Her mind. Her body. Her life. It's all about Her. So we we hear about stress all the time, right? And there's so much misinformation out there. Uh, people don't know what to do anymore. How about we hear from a real neuroscientist, someone who's gotten the right degrees and understands how to be able to translate sometimes complex science into sound bites that you can use and at a practical level make sense for yourself. So we have Dr. Sonia Billis. Now she has a PhD in neuroscience from Oregon Health and Science University and over 20 years of experience in biomedical research and 13 years of experience as a medical writer in the pharmaceutical and drug development industries. Absolutely full transparency. Dr. Billis is a dear, dear friend and colleague. I've worked together, which is why I gave her the call and I said, get your feminine behind onto the her podcast to help us all parse apart what goes on with stress and the brain. Sonia, welcome to the Her Podcast. Thank you so much. Happy to be here. All right. Well, Sonia, for crying out loud, how do you define <laughs> yeah. stress? You know, as a neuroscientist, I bet you just read so much trash out there and, and probably rip your hair out and go, no, 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 that's not what it is. What about stress? I mean, is it all bad? Oh, well, no. And that's a great question because stress can be highly motivational. Stress makes us get up in the morning and go to work and take care of our kids. 
but it's all it's all about too much stress. And when you have too much stress, you know, you feel it. People feel it in different ways. Some people will even feel, say they feel heart palpitations, but a lot of us just feel not well. We maybe have a hard time sleeping. We may be overeating or undereating or there may be packing on some pounds or not. And uh, but most of the time we just feel pretty crummy. What do you think? I think that's absolutely true. What's going on in the brain? Like, what are those parts of the brain that are going, you know, igniting and getting crazy in there and and really turning off uh, your executive function? Well, acutely, it actually focuses our executive function and it focuses our attention. And so we can be very focused on executing a specific task. If you think about this back in the day, this might be I need to get away from this dangerous thing. And so I'm going to clearly all of a sudden focus all my resources on accomplishing that one task. And that's really great. But if we stay in that in that stage, this is called the fight or flight uh, phase, then we are constantly overstimulated, over aroused. And this has a large effect on not just our brain, but our entire body. And so as you know, cortisol goes up, um, our digestion actually slows down because we don't need to be digesting food, we need to be running away. Our, it can mess with your glucose and your insulin because you're now focused again on, on exercising or using that, having that glucose available to run or to go do whatever you need to do. You also are unable to do things that are calming. The rest, rest and digest is the opposite. You're unable to do those things. And over time, that can have a, a pretty harmful effect on not just our brain, but also our body. All right. So basically what you're saying, and tell me if I've got this, is that in the short term, it was great for survival. You know, something wants you for lunch, you start running like hell. And and, and everything is concentrated on that. You're totally focused. That's a really, really good thing. But what if you keep that going forever and you don't have any stop to that? The brain can't handle that anymore and what ends up happening is burnout for all intent and purposes um and it becomes doesn't it go from like sort of great and positive and survival to toxic that's right and i think it's important though to talk about that that a little bit of stress is a good thing and that we shouldn't worry about let's not worry about worrying about stress right let's a, a little bit of stress is fine but identifying when you've when you've gotten past that point and have too much consistent stress, and and you'll know the symptoms. Everyone's aware of how they feel. Um, but women, we tend to want to do it all, so <laughs> we can't do it all forever. Okay, let's go to the woman yep. place. This is the Hurt Podcast. So, how do women screw this up royally? You know, men are kind of like you know. There's this great. Um, slide I use all the time, just used it the other day in a, in a presentation I gave. It's called the um, gender control panel, and it shows up above men, and it's just on and off. That's it, on and off. And then down below, it's women, and we have like 900 knobs. You know, just it just gets complex, right? And so when when men see stress and, and back and forth, you know, I'm going to be so global in general, slap me upside the head for doing this. 
um, you know, it's kind of like, okay, deal with it. But with women, it's like, you know, to your point, we don't just worry, we pre-worry. Am I worrying enough? Um, and then we just sort of start going down these little rabbit holes that sort of keep stirring up the stress one way or the other. We overthink, and then the P word comes up, perfectionism. Have I done it perfectly? And it just keeps going down that. Is that kind of where you were going with the gender? <laughs> Not just that, but also I think uh, well, women tend to take on more, have a difficult time saying no, and view their time and their capacity as infinite, which of course we know it's not. We know that men have a better, uh, they're, they're more likely to be able to see things as in yes or no. And women just say, I'll make time. And, and nobody can do that. <laughs> I haven't found out how to do that yet. Yeah. So I think when learning to say no and starting to have some of those boundaries. But if you don't do that, of course, you're going you're gonna to take on too much. So what does it do to your memory when you, when you, you know, you have chronic stress all the time, how does that impact memory? Of course. Yeah. Memory is one of the first things to go. Um, uh, explicit memory, which means remembering, uh, you, you maybe remember your address, but you maybe forget your grocery list. So that's a really good one. And there's a bunch of reasons that that, that happens. But uh, one of the other things that happens is uh, you start to lose sleep. And sleep also impacts your memory. So both of those, it's a, it's a double whammy there, of course. Huh. So um, you and I both know I spent a lot of time looking at stress hormone in my work at the NIH. One of the first things I, you know, you know we, we understand is that you don't fall asleep at all unless your level of stress hormone falls b below a very unique threshold to you yours is real different than mine which is different than all of the people listening right now um and if it stays above that it's it's damn near impossible to stay to get asleep you may be so exhausted you actually fall asleep, but do you stay asleep is the question. And if you're really stressed out, I would imagine the stress hormone comes popping right back up again and wakes you up. So what what happens when you don't get enough sleep? Well, that's a really good point. And if you just, as you said, if your cortisol is too high, cortisol suppresses melatonin. We've all heard about melatonin as being really helpful for sleeping. So if your cortisol is elevated, uh, one of the things to do, that means you're stressed, is to get that cortisol down. And there's a number of things you can do to get the cortisol down. Um, and one of them, can I can I mention that the exercise word, Pam? Oh, the E word. Oh my gosh, everyone out there on the Herb <laughs> Podcast land knows I love that E word. So now you've got my attention in a majorly way. Right, right. So one of the ways, there's a bunch of ways to get cortisol down. Exercise is certainly one of them. And if you can do that, that, that frees up your melatonin to come up in, in the evening and at night when you need to go to sleep. And if you can do that, that helps a lot. But then again, if you're if you're consistently stressed, that's going to have a, uh, it's going to make it harder for you to get good sleep throughout the night. Okay. And and the most important thing here is to realize that there are ways to be able to cut into this stress. I mean, you know, clearly, mm -hmm. you know, stress stress needs to be, as it were, managed well. 
stress is intrinsic to life. You said it yourself. Um, we need to be able to stay alert and to challenge our mind and our body. And all of this involves some level of, of stress. You know, there's a beautiful um, word in um, medicine that we use. It's called hormesis. And hormesis, for all intent and purposes, says that what doesn't kill you makes you stronger, which means that you stress yourself <laughs> to a point you know, um, where obviously you don't want to do any harm. So instead of just, you know, like doing the zombie walk, how about brisk walking? Um, instead of avoiding that hill, how about attacking that hill? These are all good things that are good stress, again, to your point. But uh, what we're trying to do here is mitigate um, any problems with uh, that vicious cycle of developing more toxic stress, chronic stress that is eroding our immune system, increasing inflammation throughout the body, that type of thing. So as a neuroscientist, you, you've now um, suggested something I love, so it's music to my ears, and that is physical activity which is fantastic. There, here come the endorphins to help you. Um, and it's just an overall energizer. And um, I think you've seen the research too, that when you do more physical activity, you actually increase the size of the hippocampus, which is where memory is stored. Um, and this is uh, beautiful work that's been done by a number of scholars. Um, so, there's that. What else can we do other than physical activity? Now, notice we didn't say like join the Olympic camp. We just said get up off your feminine behinds and and get physically active, especially getting outdoors and walking and hiking and running and doing whatever you like to do outdoors um, because the outdoors is so de-stressing um, in a very... Um, when I say de-stressing, I mean, obviously you're using your body, but there's no toxic stress involved. It's just healthy stress. What else can we do for healthy stress? Well, I wanted to just jump on that bandwagon because if you're mentioning exercise, you know, the, the neuroscientist has to just, I have to pop in and say, you know, we don't make a lot of new neurons in our lifetime after we're born. We have most of our neurons, but exercise is one of the few things that actually grows some new neurons in the hippocampus. So that's just, it's so important and it's so beneficial in so many ways. Um, one of the other things we can do to decrease stress is to make sure we're also eating well. So we're not stressing our body as well as our mind. Um, there's lots of different ways that people can do that. Um, I don't necessarily need to advocate for a certain diet. In fact, one of the things that we really recommend, and I know you agree with this as well, is whatever sustainable for people, but mostly for eating fresh fruit and vegetables and decreasing processed foods. And that helps take care of the body as well as the brain. I know you're also a fan of meditation and breathing and slowing down heart rate. <laughs> That's also really, really important. That helps a lot uh, in terms of keeping the, the mind and the body working together in a positive way versus the opposite way where the, the stress is, is keeping everything, the heart rate active the, and, and too much activation over time. Yeah, I yeah, I'm a crazy person now about things like um, you know, just calming breathing. 
um, as well as um, in meditation, you know, when you when you get that nice, more calm breath, it stimulates the brain stem, which then um, elicits more endorphins, which is fantastic. But I don't think people really understand how fast they breathe. It's what we call staccato breath, you know, <laughs> because you just get so upset and everything's just so crazy out there and you don't realize your voice is up, you're, you're breathing at about a million a minute and it's all bad, which means your heart rate's up, your blood pressure's up and it's just extremely stressful on the body and the brain. Um, it's also more pro-inflammatory, which you don't want. You want it to be anti-inflammatory. So I, I say here, here, you know, to uh, the meditation and the, and the breathing techniques of which there are many, just go ahead and Google, you know, uh, relaxing uh, breathing techniques. Um, you can actually find these also on apps like Calm um, and Headspace. Um, That's right. Yeah, and, and yoga with the pranayama, you know, breathing. And I, I just think it's so important because in the moment when you're, when you're going, you know, girl crazy, you know, you're just going out of your mind, um, you need something at that moment to calm yourself down. And, and this just takes moments to, to learn how to breathe. Just hit the pause button. And, and do that because that's so important. It protects your brain and your body when you do things like that. And to, to your point about nutrition, I love it. That's fantastic because, you know, ultra-processed foods um, and, and most of the processed foods are just not the way to go. Now, this doesn't mean you spend 900 hours a day in your kitchen doing everything from scratch. It's just being able to prioritize and prep and prepare ahead of time um, to have healthy food available, especially in the moment, so that you don't use the excuse, well, there was nothing else around but, and then some trash. Um, that's what you really want to do. Because again, it helps calm the body. You know, also, are you a tea drinker? Do you like tea? Yes, I do. Uh, caffeinated and herbal. Are you? Yeah, I, mm -hmm. I I love tea. I think it just really calms you down. Tea only has, you know, very, very little caffeine in it relative to coffee. And so I'll do herbal or I'll do decaf tea um, using re one of the regular blends. Um, I love turmeric and ginger um, and just mixing it up a little bit. It's just, it's so wonderful. Just the green teas are now um, combined with a lot of these other herbals, which is really wonderful. They taste good and, you know, it all kind of works out, but it's also very calming just the preparation of tea and then having it, it kind of helps calm you down, just the entire ritual of doing that, which I think is really, really cool. So a lot of people out there, you know, talk about how to stay sharp um, and how to be able to, you know, really optimize your cognitive performance because Lord knows we don't want to lose our marbles here. Um, so exercise, nutrition, you know, um, meditation, uh, trying to, well, we'll get to the stress management stuff on the overall in a minute. What else can someone do? 
Well, there are some things that people do if they, they're saying, I'm doing everything I can with managing my lifestyle. Uh, is, is there any, what's in the next step? Sometimes people want to, will take a nootropic. Nootropic is really anything that acts in the brain that can boost brain function. Caffeine is a simple example of a nootropic. There's lots of them. There's ones that can, for example, decrease your cortisol. There's ones, you know, may, like melatonin is also a nootropic that helps you sleep, promotes your ability to sleep. So that's one thing that people can do. Huh. Okay. So I mentioned earlier that Solaray has sharp mind stress, and I was just sort of eyeballing what goes into that thing. Mm -hmm. And we've got all kinds of ashwanga. What is that? That is when it, well, it's a, it's from a plant and what it does is it decreases your cortisol levels. So if you think about your circadian rhythm, what happens in the morning is your cortisol goes up and that if you're stressed throughout the day, uh, your cortisol levels will stay elevated, but they should be going down. And so if you don't go, if they don't go down, uh, your cortisol levels staying elevated, they won't allow the melatonin release that you need in the evening to get ready for bed, to prepare for the change in your daily cycle. And so helping get that cortisol down can be really beneficial. And that's one of the ways that you could do that yourself. Huh. It's very interesting. So that's just, so ashwanga is basically um, a, a plant. Um, and, uh, it's basically, I, I looked it up once. I think I remember it was, uh, uh, an evergreen shrub and that it came from the nightshade family and it, and it's found in the middle East and Africa and other places. And, um, it's kind of neat. So what it is, is it's a medicinal herb, uh, if yes. I remember. And, yeah. uh, and people use it to be able to, um, uh, calm down, um, and to use it in traditional medicine, uh, to be able to help people who really are very stressed out, um, and need more kind of normalizing. Is that right? Yes, ashwagandha has been used, yeah, in Ayurvedic medicine and lots of other medicines, especially in in Asia, uh, for reducing stress. All right, so ashwagandha, so that's what goes into this thing. Okay, well that's cool. Um, and you know, it's interesting. We use so many herbs for so many other things, right? Um, even green tea. I mean, as we're doing our thing, um, and so it's just nice to know. Uh, that we do have some options here. Um, and, you know, just in terms of a woman. So, you know, as a neuroscientist and a woman, all right? So <laughs> yes. when you're looking at our, our totally crazed lifestyles, like nuts, you know, we raise our hand to everything. It's like we have a helium balloon for a hand. It just keeps going up. Sure, I'll do that. No problem, you know, um, and back and forth. And next thing you know, we're just completely overwhelmed and we've got more craziness going on than we've ever seen in our life. All right. Try to help us understand um, how best to be able to view stress management without being stressed about it, you know, as you think about it. 
you know, I, as a mother of, of two boys who are young, I, I'm working on this myself. <laughs> uh, it's, it's difficult. Yeah, it's, well, it, we're all works in progress. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And don't we hear that all the time? Put down the phone, stay off stay off uh, technology, but really it's a, it's a lifestyle. Uh, identifying and being aware of things that cause you stress and uh, being mindful of the things that you let in and how they affect you. And I think in women, we're, we're, we tend to not be excellent at managing those boundaries, but making sure we set aside time to care for ourselves to regulate what we let in, what we take responsibility for, to prioritize the things that are really important to us. And of course, our brains and our bodies should definitely be on that list. And the way we treat ourselves in midlife, so midlife, you know, between 35 and 65, can have a long impact on our longevity, our health, our brain health, and our physical health. And so remembering that these things do add up and accumulate over time. And so everyone hears, you know, diet and exercise and sleep are important. And we're not just saying that because it's fun. We're saying that because it's been clinically demonstrated in studies time and time again, how important that is for our daily health and for our long-term health. Huh. So, you know, I was reading once um, Tom Pearls from Harvard, <laughs> his wonderful work with the uh, centenarians. And um, I, he mm-hmm. once wrote a book called How to Live to Be a Hundred. It was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And in it, he said that the people who are able to live long um, and have good health spans, meaning that it's just not how many years you're alive, it's are you living those years um, vibrantly and in in a way that's robust. And he described the mass majority of the people he studied, male and female, um, as stress shedders. So stress hits you, but they don't wear it on their sleeve. What they do is they, they experience it, they're human beings, they deal with it, and then they move on. They have this capacity to move on. How do people do that? How can someone learn to be better at that? Oh, I think that's such an important point. And stress shutters, to me, really speaks to uh, how you interpret the world around you and internalizing versus externalizing, and then also your support system, right? So in in people who have mental health issues tend not to have a very good support system. So higher rates of depression, higher rates of anxiety. And so the opposite is true as well. People who are able to shed stress and to have maintain a beneficial mood usually don't internalize stress. And what I mean is, or, or, or internalize bad life events is see it as something that they've done and at, at something that they're bad at. Instead, just say, this is a bad thing, and then go call your friend and talk to you about it. That's called using your support system and putting yourself in the context, I am human, I'm not perfect, and talk to your friends. Uh, People who live longer also have an amazing uh, support system that they use on a regular basis. Their community, their friends, their family. Make sure that you get out that. That also... um, 
releases serotonin in the brain. And that's so important also for promoting your mental health and your longevity over time. So serotonin is a mood modulator, and Mm this will most definitely help. You also brought up something else about stress, and that is that one of the most stressful things on the planet is um, doing it alone, and that is being lonely. And that is a very, very tough thing, Um, the whole issue of of loneliness um, on the overall. And it was interesting... There was a 2010 meta-analysis that found that loneliness is as harmful to physical and mental health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And this is why what you just said to me really struck home. And that is, have you put together a support system? You know, some people may not have, you know, an instant support system in a family of 15 that's going to look out after them and, you know, and legions of friends. Doesn't take that. You don't need all of that. But you certainly need a little something, something. And by the way, pets help, you know. I mean, come on now. Um, Dogs, cats, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever, you know, works for you. um, Most certainly helps. But you need human contact, too. And so you got to work it. And you have to go through your own, you know, stuff to be able to make that happen. You have to be willing to put yourself out. And if someone doesn't want to be your friend or whatever, say, okay, you know, that's fine. And move on. Just like that stress shedder person, right? But the network and the support system. Oh, this is one of the areas, you know, we were focusing on women. But this is actually one of the areas that uh, that is really a problem for men is that uh, men, when they're married, they tend to do really, really well. But as they age and if they, if, they're, if they are separated from their spouse, that tends to be really detrimental to their health because they tend not to have that social network and support system. And that's the whole reason. Yeah, and I see it all the time, and I'm sure you do too. And it's, it's really tough when, you know, suddenly that you, you just can't, ever assume anything in this life you know everyone out there has heard me say this a million times but you never know tomorrow's not guaranteed i don't care how old you are and if the covid pandemic didn't teach you anything at least it'll teach you that Uh, and that's why it's so terribly important to really build a strong foundation today and make that work for yourself so circling back then when we're really looking at this issue of uh, maintaining um, great cognitive performance and being able to take care of your marvelous brain um, as, as we're really looking at uh, building more resilience, stress shedding, and managing stress because we know what it does to the brain. Uh, I think it's just... What a woman wants to do, correct me if I'm wrong, see what you think. Oftentimes what a woman wants to do is just do it all now. Okay, I'm a mess. Okay, I'm going to change everything today. Right now, you know, I'm going to be a new person, new brain, new stress management. Okay, you and I both know that this is kind of a thing a lot of women do. They like to just sort of do the black and white thing. Men are actually much better at taking smaller steps. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of go, well, low-hanging fruit, let's go with that one. 
<laughs> and then, you know, there's a foot in the door. So what could a woman do as simple, you know, first steps toward better stress management to take care of her brain and to sharpen her mind? Oh, I love this because it's, it can be so personalized. What, you know, which of these things that we've discussed do you, make sense to you or resonates with you or which of these do you not do that you could add? But one of the things that I, I like to advise people to start with is do a walk in the morning. In the morning, you get some exercise, you get blue light because that's the light that's coming into uh, the earth in the morning from the sun is mostly blue. And the combination of the exercise plus the light really helps to reset your circadian rhythm and get that cortisol down and get it's a good way to start your day. The other thing that I would suggest is to work on that diet. What are you eating? See if you can decrease some processed foods. See if you can add in more fruit and vegetables, some omega-3s, <laughs> some, some nuts Yay. or some olive oil or some fish. Because um, that can really, over time, decrease risk for so many different things that are important. Reduce heart disease and stroke, reduce breast cancer, reduce depression, reduce dementia, reduce hot flashes even, <laughs> reduce the negative impact of uh -oh. menopause. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then, and then to make sure you're getting some good sleep. Sleep is so important. It's when your brain flushes all of the waste out of your brain, because your brain's working all the time, right? So when you're sleeping, it has it finally, it has a chance to get rid of some of those waste products from all of the work that it's doing. It consolidates memory and it enables, which means that you're better able to have memory during the day. So it really, it, it basically forms those memories and puts them in your brain so you can recall them later. Sleep is so important. And then it also allows your body, not so not just your brain, but your body to rebuild and replenish for the next day. So working some of those things in, as well as I know you're a big fan of meditation, but if that's not for everyone, just to, like we discussed, work in some breathing, right? Because it, it, every time you exhale, it slows down your heart rate. So a lot of the times people will just do some slow inhales and exhales and counting on a longer count for the exhale, like four in, eight out. That will slow down your heart rate. If you notice, if you're being mindful and you're seeing that something is triggered or you're starting to get anxious, just practice doing some breathing. I think that's a good place to start. I love that. <laughs> oh, I think it's beautiful. And quite frankly, as I was listening to you, you know, every one of those things is completely doable. And, you know, honestly, ladies out there in the Her Podcast land, just choose one thing. Yes, right seriously. Off the bat, prove to yourself. <laughs> Yeah, just one, just one thing. If it's even just hitting the pause button, many times I'll take my index finger and hit the middle of my forehead. That's my pause button. And I'll literally just physically do that. That'll remind me to calm down and then just immediately get into some of that four, eight breathing or it, it, there's something called box breathing out there that you can look up. Really easy to do to just calm it down before you get yourself and you know all wrapped up in you know craziness um, and anxiety over something that just occurred in your life, so please just choose one of those wonderful things that 
that Dr. Sonia Billis has just suggested so that we have a way to be able to begin the journey to better stress management. I can't tell you how valuable this information is, Sonia. Um, and I also really want to say thank you so much for sharing this invaluable you know, um, education for everyone out there. It's not hard. It's just that you have to be aware to be able to make these changes in the first place, right? Of course. And, and also remember, we're all human. Be kind to yourself. <laughs> you don't have to do it all at once and you don't have to do it perfectly. Just do what you can. Okay, you heard it from the mouth of the expert, Dr. Sonia Billis. Learn all about her wonderful work at augustscientific.com slash home, augustscientific.com slash home. Sonia, thank you so much for being on the Herb Podcast. And now everyone out there, please take a minute, hit iTunes, rate and review the show, because I want to hear from you. Why? Because I'm Dr. Pam Peek, host of the Herb Podcast. Please follow me on Facebook at Dr. Pam Peek or Twitter and Instagram at Pam Peek MD. And remember to catch every single episode of the Her Podcast on iTunes, Radio MD, as well as all of the major platforms. Hey, Thanks listening for listening today. It's really important to us and it was wonderful to have you along. Stay safe and stay well.